Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There is no better group of buds of flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to answer some of your gardening queries. Later on, I'll be joined by Howard Shannon, producer of the legendary Gardener's Question Time, a programme that's soon to celebrate its 70th birthday. We'll be sharing some of our favourite memories of that show. Coming up, I'll be talking to you about seed sowing, pink ladies and more plant poetry. You find a rather frustrated broadcaster this week. Uh, I've just had an operation on my eye, it's fine. But it means I can't dig. And at this time of the year, really, I must get on with the digging, so I can't wait. Uh, Next week, I'm off the lead, and so if the weather is uh, not freezing hard, I'll be on the spade, get my appetite back with a bit of luck. But I wanted to have a word about apples. They're a very important tree to have in the garden. And the most important thing, if you are thinking about planting one, or if I can persuade you to plant one, is the kind that you plant. It wants to have a really good bite to it. There's nothing like a really good English apple. But of course, the varieties are in season. They're just like wines. If you want a very early apple, then Discovery is a pretty good one. If you get a bit further into the season, then something like Red Falstaff. And if you want a variety that's going to keep then I really think that some of the more modern kinds might suit you quite well. I was asked recently about the apple Pink Lady and why they couldn't buy trees of that particular cultivar. Well, it's quite an interesting story, actually. It's what in the commercial world we call a club apple. It means that uh, just those growers in the club are allowed to grow it. And strangely, it's not even called Pink Lady. It was bred in Western Australia by a gentleman called John Cripps and he named it Cripps Pink. And it was such a good apple that a whole group of growers got together, formed this club and really controlled the quantity grown and the quality sold. So I'm afraid you can't grow that one for yourself, but there are others which are pretty good. Now, you'll often hear that Braben, for example, is not a very good uh, apple for gardeners because it needs sunshine. Actually, it's very similar to Pink Lady. That needs 200 days of sunshine to ripen properly. And Braben, in my garden, in a very warm, sheltered position, isn't picked until late November and even into December. Now, you can see what that means. It's uh, late to ripen, And, of course, we'll keep very well. Even in our damp, dank garage, I can eat it well into February, March. And so if you have got a sheltered garden and you uh, want an apple that keeps, that's pretty good to eat and cook, I'm told, then a Braben could well be a good choice. The other thing that you need to 
have a thought about are family trees. They're quite useful because they have three varieties on the one trunk. It means you don't have any problem with pollination because if the nurseryman's done his job, they pollinate one another. And also, if you have an early, a mid-season and a late one on the one tree, then you've got a really good cropping season. Now, there are other things too that you need to get on with in the garden this week. Or when I say in the garden, it's indoors, really. Because we can start to sow a number of the hardy salads and vegetables. I like to sow a few lettuce, probably be the variety Tom Thumb, which is tiny and forms a little neat heart quite quickly. I'll also sow a few calabrese and cauliflower because if we can get to, I don't know, six or ten seedlings up in a little seed pot and then transplant them, they'll be ready to go outside into the garden or even better under cloches by the end of March and with a bit of luck you'll be cutting lettuce in May and cauliflowers in June. It is important that you have a really clean container and sterile compost when you're sowing seeds and especially in the short dark days of winter. Once they're sown put them somewhere warm but check them. I mean the brassicas, the cabbage and cauliflowers, calabrese, they can be up in two or three days and as soon as you see the first sign of shoot then that pot of seedlings needs to be really close to the window so they get the maximum light. And then with the brassicas especially, if they do get a little bit stretched, when you transplant them separately into pots you can drop them down deep into the compost so those two rounded seed leaves are just above the compost and then they won't be so floppy and drawn. I'm joined now by the former producer of an iconic show we all know and love, Gardener's Question Time, on BBC Radio 4. It's Howard Shannon. Hello, Howard. How are you today? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine, but I'm, I'm really frustrated because I've just had a minor operation on one eye and I can't dig. Ah. And in the winter, I like to dig. Now, what yes. sort of garden have you got? I've got, when I first bought my house, I live in Bedfordshire, it was like an old shed and it had an outdoor toilet. And so the garden was really quite small. So the first thing I did was I demolished the toilet and realised I got another like four or five square metres. Then I demolished the shed and discovered behind the shed, it was hiding a bit of a garden I've never even seen when I bought the house. <laughs> so now I've got like a funny L shape. Most people's gardens are weird shapes usually, aren't they? They are, Mine's yes. a strange L shape. But luckily it gets full sun all day and uh, I'm just slowly working my way from... The, I started at the top and I'm working towards the kitchen door now. It's kind of the wrong way around really, isn't it? Yes, for many of us. I like to start at the kitchen door if I have a new garden and I've only done it twice and, and then just dig everything so I have a completely clear plan to go at. I dug the ground underneath the old toilet and discovered things I... Which I hadn't found. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, anyway. I'm sure you can imagine what was there. Could be quite rich land. Yeah. yeah. No, no, it's proving very successful. I put in a fatsia japonica just to see because it, it was a slightly darker spot, and the fatsias love the sort of dark little north-facing corners. They're, they're beautiful. They are beautiful, and I think that they're underestimated. I mean, the the, the use of flowers for bees. You know, when there isn't much else about. And mm. they're really sparkling, aren't they, those oh, winter the, the flowers? Oh, like 
white little tiny jewel balls hanging off it. It's quite, quite beautiful. It is. And very frost hardy. I've had, we've had lots of frost recently, and the plant sort of bows its head down, doesn't it, when it gets very cold. Yeah. But it springs back to life, and it's, they're just beautiful. They're fantastic. Can't recommend it enough. Yeah, and but I've also got a, a, a bamboo I put in, which wasn't supposed to be spreading, but it is. Oh, crumbs. I'm, I'm not, I'm not so keen that. on those somehow. Yeah. yeah, they're coming up inside the greenhouse. How did you get into GQT? I've been a radio producer for, gosh, more years than I care to remember now. Um, and at the time, I'd been working for uh, BBC's Gardener's World programme in Birmingham. And then I noticed that they were putting the programme out to tender, which means it's not made by the BBC in-house, but it's made by an independent company. So I just dropped them a line saying, good luck with the tender. And then by a sort of weird route, the company who won the contract contacted me saying, do you fancy getting on board? So... I joined them about two weeks before we made our first program. That was 2009. And uh, within two weeks, I was making the program. And in total, over my six years, I've made 225 editions. Amazing. One of which was on a train. <laughs> so, uh, you're always trying to think of new locations for the program. You, know, you take over and you think, oh, it'll be different. Let's make it different places and different locations. And I love going to little village halls in Scunthorpe and Scotland. But I also like the idea. Of, I like the idea of making a different edition. So we thought, well, let's put the program on a train, so it can stop at different stations, and the audience can, can get on at that station, ask their question, and then get off. Variety, the um, spice of life, yeah, eh? And uh, Eric Robson, who's the chairman, he said, let's do it on the Settle Carlisle line. So we did it on the Settle Carlisle line. And that's a beautiful line, anyhow, isn't it? It was, and we we, we stopped occasionally to sort of tell the story of the viaduct and. You know, the huge loss of life in building it and the sort of very sort of open, barren land up on the top. But it was all, it was all great fun. But now what about the panel? I have to uh, admit that I worked with the original people, Professor Alan Gemmell, Fred Lodes oh. and Bill Sauerbutz. Yeah. I mean, they were an amazing trio that were there for years, weren't they? Yeah, so what year was that roughly then for you? Oh dear, 1962, right. 64, something like that. Yeah, when we celebrated uh, the programmes, I think it was the 65th anniversary, because we're coming up to the 70th this April. Five years ago, we did a programme from Ashton Underline in Manchester, which was the location of the very first Gardener's Question Time. That's um, where Bill had his market store, wasn't exactly, it? Ashton we went, Underline. We went to what was Manchester's sort of gardening area, what was then the sort of the growing area for the city. It's now just under concrete and a, and a, and a sort of you know shopping centre. Uh, but we went to visit it, and uh, a woman turned up, and she had some acetate recordings with her. And it was the original program on the original acetate discs of how they recorded the program. Amazing. It was fantastic. I'd love to have worked with these, uh, the, the people you work with. Fred Lowe's would be, it would have just been such, such an interesting time. Yeah, I mean, he was a real hands-on gardener, you know, one of the old-time professional gardeners. Uh, Alan Gamble, of course, was the scientific man you mm. know, with good education and scientific background. And then uh, Bill, of course, was a market trader. Mm. I mean, there were some lovely stories about Bill. Uh, I remember being on a train with him once, and he said, in retirement, boy, what you want is a really nice big armchair in a greenhouse. He <laughs> said, and a crate of beer under the staging, and make sure you paint the glass so as nobody can see when you're in there asleep. <laughs> <laughs> How lovely. That would just be my idea of bliss. Because <laughs> I'm not a professional gardener. I'm an, I'm a, an amateur. I did a... You know, I've tried to study the RHS general several times, but I'm, a, I'm an amateur. But I've been taught so much by the modern-day equivalents, people like Matthew Biggs and Bob Flowerdew. 
and Tipper Greenwood. And it's so, it's just lovely meeting people like them who are still on the program today. They teach and tell you things. And I think the nearest thing to an armchair actually is Bob Flowers, who does have in his garden an old armchair. But it's outdoors, not indoors. Oh, right. In, in, that, tw- in that twin skin polytunnel of his, where he well, grows. Well, now he's got no, in that, it's now so full of plants that he doesn't seem to have much room left for furniture. Oh, right. Because <laughs> um, I think his pineapples and his fasalis have taken over. Um, he also gave me um, a Himalayan balsam, which I didn't quite realise how vigorous it would be. <laughs> and I've taken over the corner. You've still got that, have you? I'm trying to get rid of it, yes. Yes, because that seeds everywhere, doesn't ah, it? That's, that's a it, beggar. It's, but it's, you know, it's, when you have an empty garden, as I did, I took the shed down and everything was just empty. I appreciated having something in the ground. But three years on, you start thinking it's time to replace my initial pallets of plants and put something else in. I'm in the market this year for something really different. I can't think what it is, but I'm determined this year to go and get a heated propagator, get it in my greenhouse in early March, and do something that I've never done before, but I can't think what it is. Well, my nephew's just brought me a pot of yuzu marmalade from Japan. That appears to be... a a current health fad, mm. so uh, that might be sort of stretching things a bit. So is that, is that made from obviously oranges? Yeah. Yes, it's, a, it's some kind of citrus. Oh, I don't okay. know. I don't know any more about it than that. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was just interested and set off once I saw the name. But on the programs, are there any special ones that you remember? My favourite program we did was we took that at the program to a place called Beamish Open Air Museum. Yes. Yeah. In the northeast. Yeah. And I said to Bob Flowerdew, Christine Walkden, and Matthew Biggs, "Okay, as of now." It is not 2012, 2013, whatever year it was. It is 1878. We took it back 130, 40 years. And they had to answer the questions as if it was that time frame. And it was so impressive what they did. I mean, Bob Flowerdew knew all about guava poo from the islands in wherever the <laughs> islands were coming. And Matthew Biggs knew exactly what species of roses would be around at the time. And it was great, great fun. It's sort of like a time travel edition. So that's the one that I enjoyed most. Bob spends a lot of time, doesn't he, reading old gardening books? And he did. He, he, arrived, he arrived at the recording armed with loads and loads of sort of early Victorian gardening books yeah. and briefed the panel. And the audience were great because they'd come prepared with questions as if it was, you know, early Victorian days. My biggest hero on the programme has to be Eric Robson because he just works so hard. He travels the country unstintingly never complains turns up smiles does a fantastic job presenting it and of course the chairman has to be an amateur gardener he has to represent the listener so he has to occasionally play stupid but eric's such a good gardener i I greatly respect the way he was asking questions on behalf of the amateur gardener saying that he didn't already know the answer which he did Yes, it's a tough role, isn't it? It you, is, yeah. You, you, need, you need knowledge, but in a perfect world, you don't show it too much. Exactly. You just need to say, well, how would the listeners see this? Now, Howard, uh, we have a back garden exhibit that uh, we're planning for Chelsea Flower Show next May. Yeah. And obviously, it'd be quite nice to have something in it which reflected 70 years of Gardener's Question Time. Now, how about that? What are we going to do? Do we have Bill Sauerbutt's chair? I think it needs to be some kind of recreation of the potting shed. Oh, right. Which is the... Oh, yes, shed. where you answer questions. Yeah, yeah, which we go to. It's at Sparshot College in Hampshire. Yeah. It should be that. Or it should be something that has totally sort of changed since we started making the shed. So over the 70 years, some kind of plant that 
either has come out of favour in 70 years or is massively now in favour, but has changed over the years. I mean, roses appear to have changed and migrated from the way they're grafted and the hybrids and all the bits and pieces for roses. They've changed a lot. I mean, that would be very easy and comfortable for us. You know, a plant Mm. would fit in very well. Bill Sauerbutz on his... uh, market stall was sent the first flymo in the days of uh, oh, wow. hover mowers and he, you know he's a pretty shrewd trader and he just flogged it and then the manufacturers came back and and said we want our flymo back and you had to go out and buy another one to replace <laughs> it so perhaps we should have a flymo yeah or get bob flowerdew's ski suit yes he does all his gardening in a 1970s ski suit he never gets cold. We've got to buy him a new one, so maybe we just ask him to donate that to your garden. Well, I saw a picture of him in it recently in Amateur Gardening, I think, and it was all white, wasn't it? I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. think... Yeah, well, I, he's probably washed it then. I, well, I saw <laughs> it was a sort of strange colour. Now, often at this stage, I read a letter or two. I thought that, just to ring the changes a bit, you might like to hear this poem. It's written by uh, Pam Marden great character and this poem is called a country wife's lament i'll be glad when winter's gone you know cause me hubby worries me he don't know where to put himself when he's finished off his tea he can't get on his garden and the allotment's far too wet the nights are getting lighter but not quite enough as yet he gets a blinking restless it fair gets on my wick he's happier when he's digging and then walking up the vic That happens to be the local pub, I hasten to add. I can't call him romantic. He ain't the same as me. He's thinking of his onion sets when we're watching our TV. He's lovely in the springtime with all his seeds to grow. He's a real nice bloke in summertime when everything do grow. Autumn finds him clearing up. I love him, then I do. And then the blooming winter's here. But I always see it through, I wait for spring, I know the signs. When he's coming to his best, off comes his thermal long johns and his Marks and Spencer's vest. You can subscribe to our newsletter at sungardening.co.uk And you can also subscribe to this podcast by pressing the subscribe button on iTunes. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Thursday. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.